When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Josh, and we're just going to jump right into part two of our fantastic conversation with the very great Lorraine Newman. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Well, let's let's go back to horror movies. Okay, theoretically, that's why we're here. So, yes. so take us take us further on your journey. Um, well, the Werewolf of London, mm-hmm. uh, I love. You must seize the only specimen of the Marifesa plant in England. That flower is the only known antidote for werewolfery. A very interesting folk tale, but of no value to the police. I warn you, sir. Unless you secure this plant, there'll be an epidemic that will turn London into a shambles. I always thought that Henry Hull was a much sexier werewolf than Lon Chaney Jr. Um, and also the the lore, you know, the way that they set it up with that one plant in the Himalayas that could, you know, turn you back and take the curse away. Mm. Um, it was just, and the special effects were terrific. Do you guys, you know that. Oh, one, sure. Right. I've, yeah, I've seen it as a child. I don't have any strong recollection. Well, it's you know, the, 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 there's a big Honest? difference between the the Universal pictures from the 30s and the ones from the 40s. Yeah, ones from the 40s are much slicker, uh, but the ones from the 30s are grittier. And um, was that a Universal? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was their first foray into lycanthropy. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 And Henry Hall didn't want to. The, the reason that the makeup that, that Henry Hall wears in that movie is is what it is, is because Jack Pierce did it. The oh, great really? Jack Pierce, and um, he didn't. He he wanted to do something like the makeup that that was later used in The Wolfman, mm-hmm. but Henry Hall, being a stage actor and being very serious, um, said he didn't want to wear that kind of makeup. He didn't want to have his face covered with complete hair, and so they came up with this alternate version, which is you know there's a little more of his face being shown, and it's it still was cool. Darn handsome. It's still cool. Yeah. It was good. Good looking werewolf. Huh. Did you, uh, Dana on his podcast, Dana Gould. Um, oh, yay. He that talked, does not happen for a while. That's Joe's phone. It's my favorite. I know. It's an eerie sting. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's the greatest. Sorry. Uh, um, yes. He talked about, well, he interviewed the woman who wrote the book about the yeah, girl who creature. designed the creature from the Black yes. Lagoon and all of the skullduggery yeah. involving the Westmore dynasty. And, oh, that was disappointing. You know? Uh, uh, we did a, a conehead ad for, I think it was, it was some insurance. And one of the artists was a Westmore and everybody was like, oh my goodness, including me. I just had no idea how awful uh, Bud Westmore was. Uh, mm. he, just, he was a credit hog. He just hogged. She did the work. He got, took the credit. But, you know, but he was, did that with a lot of people, yeah, evidently. That was very common. Well, then, yeah, I mean, Edith Head probably didn't set foot on half the set she's credited on, right? Isn't well, it? they used to have these uh, people who were considered the um, uh, the heads of departments. Right. And like in the music department, the guy Joe, Joe Gershenson at Universal would get the credit for the music, even though it was written by Henry Mancini. And, right. And wow. And Hans Salter and all these other guys, you know. And, and, and they used to reuse music from other movies and reorchestrate them and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it became very difficult to apportion actual credits. And so right. they'd just give it to this guy. He's like this a guy. figurehead. And and that's what Bud Westmore was. He was a figurehead. Well, it also sounds like the studio system at that time really, you know, contributed to the uh, one-stop shopping of it all. Yeah. And uh, Well, look at the credits on old movies and see how short they are. And it's yes. Because so many people weren't getting credit. Yes. Yeah. I did notice that because I looked recently, I, I, having been kind of alerted to that thing uh, that Dana uh, 
exposed. I wish I could remember the name of the book because I, I know he would appreciate that. But it's something. Guys, are you looking it up? Okay. Um, Joe? It's got to happen around more often. Oh, yeah. You, you read it, didn't you? Uh, the the Millicent Patrick book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name but of it. But you remember the author. <laughs> the that is good it. enough. <laughs> yes. No, no. She's the one who... Uh, it's the book about the thing. The, she's the person who did oh, the right. She's the t- she's the subject. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Did Tom Weaver do that book? I don't know. I don't no, know. it was a woman that wrote the book. Oh. Yes, it was. Well, yes, right. Because Dana had her on, right? Yes. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, we should just do an think... entire episode where we don't mention the titles. Where we can't... <laughs> I'm going to do this to a guest. We're going to come in. We're going to talk about your 10 favorite movies, but just don't forget the titles to all of them. Give all the hints. <laughs> yeah. Let them guess. I, it's, okay. It's Bogey. He has this club. Oh. And this woman comes in. You know that one? And there's Nazis. <laughs> the there's, guy plays the piano. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's, uh, yeah there's a black yeah. guy who plays the piano. Speaking of Bogart, Return of Dr. X. X. Weird symbol of humanity's most dangerous secret. The forbidden barrier that science must never cross. But in an amazing climax to a revolutionary medical discovery, its terrible power is delivered into the ruthless hands of a man the world once destroyed. A revenge-haunted genius, taking his name from the unknown inferno from which he returns. Dr. X, the mark of a madman who lives to kill, and who must kill to live. Yes. Um, That movie had a line that I will never forget where he pulls out this giant hypodermic and he's got this girl in a cabin and he says, don't bother to scream. No one can hear you. I'm sure that that line was uttered the first time in that movie. It may have been, yeah. yeah. And the look of, of Humphrey Bogart in the movie was so interesting because his face was constantly slick, you yeah. know, not s- sweating or if it was meant to look like he was sweating, it was a complete sheen on his face and it was so effective. You know, because it creepy. made him look much more creepy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember as a kid finding out, I guess I had seen Bogart films. I was like crime movies. You know, it's like you're, you know, there's three channels and there's an old movie with guys running around with guns. So that's like, you're like, oh yeah, he's kind of cool. But finding out that Humphrey Bogart had done a horror film was mm. so oh, yes. exciting. Uh, he, so he, did, he didn't do it willingly. Yeah. Well. <laughs> really? No, they had to talk him into it. Because, they, you know, you're, you're a contract seem- player. You have to do what they tell you or yeah. go on suspension. Right. And so, well, Ian Cagney used to just go on suspension and Betty Davis used to go on suspension. But at that point, Bogart wasn't that big a star mm-hmm. and he didn't want to go on suspension. So he did this picture reluctantly and he, he, he got to give him credit. I mean, he, he didn't walk through it. He's, he's fine. Yeah. In it. Uh, um, but I think it was originally a, a Karloff Lugosi plan. It's interesting though, because he has a very, Bogart has a dialect and it kind of bursts through his, uh, his attempts at being this erudite doctor, yeah, you know, uh, but he says words that are equivalent to like Goyle. I, mean, I can't remember, I cannot name the word that he said, but it was just like it burst you through. You meant to say goiter. <laughs> oh, uh, that's, that's rough. And oh, it makes me think of the James Cagney movie of The Life of Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney, yeah, sure. That was wonderful. Yeah. I thought that was great. That was also, yeah, was that like the first time I'd ever, I think, seen... Um, a biopic about someone who made movies. I think that was the same year that the Buster Keaton story came out. Which I have never seen. Which is awful. Who played Aww. Buster? Donald O'Connor. Donald O'Connor? Donald O'Connor and as he's Buster Keaton. And he's, mean, he's fine. Though, I'm sure well, he's got it's the just, physicality. What they do in that picture is they reenact routines that Buster Keaton did. Uh-huh. Right? And Buster had to say, he, he had no money at the time, and he was he said, sure, go ahead, make the movie. Uh, and and they're they're fairly accurate representations. But without Buster Keaton, yeah. they just sit there. Yeah. They just don't work. Yeah. And it's not because Donald O'Connor isn't a good actor. He's just, you know, he's not Buster Keaton. Nobody's yeah. Buster Keaton but Buster Keaton. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's a legendarily uh, reviled biopic, huh. which oh. is one of the reasons you, nobody ever sees it. What yeah. a waste. But yeah. that same year was Man of a Thousand Faces. Unlike Man of a Thousand Faces. Which is a good thing. It's terrific. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But yeah, I think it was the first time I've heard when, like, Oh, these people have lives that are interesting. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, I'm sure they made up half the stuff in the film. But. Well, they that, it's it, they did take some liberties, but but there's some, but there's some <laughs> oh, there's they. some really good dark stuff in it. Yeah, uh, it, it's a good it's a good picture, and and Cagney is you know always great. He is. Yeah. He is. Or was. Aww. Well, he, he still is. He, he still is. You're he, right. He's, he lives as long as these movies. I know. Not. I'm just talking about tenses. I'm thinking about the children that, that Lorraine had earlier. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> 
they will be uh, citing. <laughs> well, she still has those, though. She still has them. That's great. They're <laughs> hawks on syntax, so <laughs> we're in trouble. Um, oh, let me. So, where there's an so. editor listening to this, going, "All right, their grammar stinks. They can't remember the titles of anything." <laughs> well, let's talk about sequels. You know, okay. Um, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein with Dr. Pretorius and um, just uh, so beautiful, so yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Alien and then Alien 2. Fa two movies that are really great. And completely different films. Yeah. In fact, I have to say, I don't mind all of the sequels. Uh. And the most recent one, which I think is... Uh, Oh, what oh is not, it? The is it new, not the Ridley Scott one. Right, I loved that movie. Come <laughs> on. Really? Okay. Yes, it was fantastic. It was it was set back before Prometheus, which I also loved. Wow. But Prometheus oh, wow. doesn't make any sense at all. It, we found her. We've got the, her here. How about the woman who gives birth to an net. alien and then cuts herself open and then gives spend, herself <laughs> spends two reels battling aliens, like, you with know, as if there's nothing wrong with it. Well, it's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, movie tropes is the character <clears throat> who takes a bullet or something like that who's really, really fucked up. And then 10 minutes later, they're a little less fucked up. And then 20 minutes later, they're, you know, throwing punches and everything. Yeah. Because yeah. you get over these things in film. Sure. Peter Fonda in the remake of, uh, of 310 to Yuma. Uh, it, it takes this takes this major bullet. Yes. <laughs> and the last reel, he's just. It's like what, what happened? I thought he was shot. You know. Yeah. Well, and I that's think... that's that's not a, that's a sequel that is not as good as the original. It's a remake. The, the movie Die, Die Hard. I like it. Yes. Die Hard really introduced the whole thing of like um, there are sixteen things in the first five minutes that none of us would have survived. You know, <laughs> and just him like climbing out of the ele elevator shaft. You know, well, just, it's just just him running across, him, the, running glass, across the glass is all I can yeah. remember. Oh, just bled out long before. <laughs> and there's there's I think it was um, Die Hard Four where he's in a semi. A oh yeah. Jet is chasing him. The jet shoots a rocket that demolishes the cab right. of the truck, but he somehow is in the back holding on to the swinging door. Of the truck. Well, sure, and uses the explosion to coast on the door. Am I right? Or I don't, but He yeah, may, it's... but then how, somehow he gets on the jet and then yeah. jets, <laughs> jumps, jumps off the jet right. onto uh, an upended piece of freeway okay. that has exploded because of another missile. I, I don't get And your just point. rolls down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, but wait, you just. <laughs> and, then, and then he shoots himself. Oh, I don't remember if you that. Part. I actually love the end of that one, which I'm about to run. He sees uh, it's um, it's uh, Seth Bullock is uh, standing behind him, um, uh, Timothy Elephant, of course. Yes, and um, uh, Bruce, Willis, he's got a gun to him or something. And Bruce Willis puts his own gun to shoot him. Oh, and he God. shoots him through his yes. own arm. Yes, at the end of I it. remember that. And I just remember, I, I really like that because that was like that was that's that hardcore. Was, that's hardcore. That's like I really fucking hate you. Kind of uh, yeah. That's dispensing with a villain. That was fun. I'm gonna get you, sucker. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Another I, great movie. Another great. Another movie. great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I love Antonio Fargas' shoes in that movie. He's got the I goldfish do. in the heels. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh my it's, God. It's There's Adam. so many pieces of that movie that are great. That's an undercover brother kind of movie. Yeah. That's I mean, a, that's that's a fun, funny film. picture. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or, uh, and um, that, sorry, it makes me nope. think of Candyman, which is also oh, okay. yeah. so original. Tony Todd. Mm. Am I correct that that's being remade? I feel like someone's uh, doing You name it. Okay. <laughs> anything anything <laughs> that you can think of is being remade. Yeah. But that, that's- If it's that's been made before, movie. we're going to make it again. Yes. We don't want to take a chance on something original. Good God. <laughs> um, so I want to go back. So, so all the Alien sequels you, you like? Yes. They all have something to the, offer. The ones with the Predator? Even those? Yes. Yeah, really? Okay. Alien right. versus Predator? Are you kidding? She that likes was a these pictures. a wonderful movie. You knew that coming in. No, no, I'm just trying to ascertain <laughs> how far and deep the love goes. It's fascinating. Yeah. I, I envy that. I really do envy that. I, um, you know how rare it is to find girls who like these kind of pictures? By the way, you know how rare it is to find anybody who likes those pictures? <laughs> he called me a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. It's, um, yeah, no, my hope my hope with this one, actually, and, and uh, you just had an exchange with her. My, my wife um, does not, uh, Nancy does not, um, she doesn't do horror films. Mm -hmm. She just, it's. What does she do on your Halloween marathon? Oh, she, well, I've now, since we got together, it's not going on our ninth year, the eighth year. Um, I, I build 
So you start so you with carefully, you, know, so you do the black cat. The black cat's not going to give anyone. So you carefully program her. And you build and then you get to, you know, I remember the, the dog. Like the first year we did it, I think like the fifth movie was Suspiria. And I was like, I knew that I knew that would be the one. I just didn't know where. And it was the red eyes through the window. That was the moment she went, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Have you seen the remake? No, you're not yes. saying anything, Josh. Yeah, I know. You're, I've seen the remake. I've seen the remake. Uh, it's you're holding your tongue somehow. Um, is that it's a remake? I've seen it. It is a remake. So <laughs> it's sort of a remake. It's like in fact it it's a, it's like a remake of a different picture. It, it's, it's not like a it's it is not a like different picture. I'll, yes. It's not like the original movie at all. It's, well, it's, I, I, they're I don't both know, incoherent. I don't Let's know why exactly, but one yeah. of them one of them has style and the other one has pretension. Had moments. I thought the second one had style. I would, yeah, I would have to. I, I would have to agree. If you like, being... if you like drab, oh. uh, colorless. I mean, the, the first movie is a color movie. Yes, it's in absolutely. color. Everything is that in is, color. It's got certainly colors. It. It's got and then know, some and all that stuff. And that's that's the movie. Yeah. Really, I mean, that's the content of the movie. Now you take that away, and you're left with what is in the sequel, right. which is a story that makes no sense mm-hmm. and visual blankness. Yeah, I have to give you that. It was that fun stuff at the Plus end. It's three times longer. Yeah. That whole dance thing. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I know people who loved it. Good. Good. I know the director. Right, and I'm, he'll be very happy. He'll, what? he'll be very happy that people love it. Oh, okay. And I, do you think he listens to the show? Not anymore. Uh, not, he won't after this episode. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> okay. Cross him off the invite list because we'll. Uh... Yeah, we burn a lot of bridges on this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we try not to. I have um, this theory about women that don't like horror. Oh, okay. And I've found a lot of really pretty women don't like horror because they're usually the victims in these movies. Uh, well, the, and that may well be why. Well, there's a certain misogyny in, in horror films. Mm. In, in, oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, uh, in, in, I mean, it's, it's fairy tale-ish, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the princess and she's in trouble and the prince has to come and rescue her. And, and that's sort of the basic idea of the girl in trouble. But I, I just remember when I was at, at Corman's, we used to do these catch lines for for movies and uh, one of the most popular ones that we used over and over was she wanted love he gave her terror and death uh, <laughs> nice and that kind of wow. that nice. kind of just sums up the whole thing they wanted love he gave them terror and death sweet kill I mean, sounds like my marriage <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was sometimes one... it was that they wanted love and he gave them terror. Oh, okay, love. yes. There was a trope of of the 1950s horror movies that used to drive me crazy, which was when they're ch- being chased by you name it, fill in the blank, unspeakable monster. The woman trips. Well, that doesn't. Oh, yeah. That's not that, just to the fifties. That goes back to oh, the thirties. Oh God, it drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're too high ma- maintenance. Goodbye. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, there was also, and then. I remember this thing in the 90s. Um, this is a real tangent, but it was fun. As I, I very early on it, um, was working with a producer over at Paramount who wanted to do a, uh, a female lead psychological thriller. And it was at the point in time where I'd like trying to write anything just because I was trying to get in. And, and I thought, let me I'll watch a whole bunch of current contemporary ones because it's not really my thing, you know. And, and and there were this rash of them that came out in the 80s and 90s, starring ever like Deborah Winger and, and Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn. They'd all did done one of these. And usually it's like, woman marries a guy, he turns out to be X, you know, Klansman, serial killer, what have mm-hmm. you, bad attorney. Wom Jep. <laughs> woman in Jeopardy. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a genre. But you know what drove me crazy about them? And um, in that period, because if you go back to the 40s and 50s, where it's like, you know, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, those women in those situations kicked some ass and got their own. In the contemporary ones, invariably they triumphed over the man by running through the woods, and then he would trip and fall down a manhole or something. <laughs> like nothing they did. That's the only way he could be thwarted. It was like, yeah, there's literally nothing they did to, to, to beat him. He just ended up in right. his overwhelming desire to kill her would fall and break his neck. And it was like, Jesus, these yeah. it's what a ter- nobody wants to win that way. Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody. Exactly. Exactly. Although there was one, uh, what was the there's the Julia Roberts one where uh sleeping with the enemy. Right. Where her husband comes out of her. She set it up somehow and he's he's he walks in and she's on the phone. She's like, police, I'd like to report a shooting in my house. And he goes, What? And she goes, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was satisfying. But you're right, there's a there's a huge amount of I hadn't thought about that either. There, there is that element of identification. Yeah, that that 
um, not that I go to those movies because I take pleasure in women being abused, but I can oh, go to them. No, no, and not, no, no, no. But I can go to them and not feel, not feel personally and directly right. assaulted by them. Because um, yeah. Nancy's one of her, it took years to get over this. She basically thinks every horror film, and I'm getting to watch some now, and she's she's eased up a bit. But sure, her, in her mind, all horror, all horror films are torture porn. It's like, well, no, here, look at well, this one. There's an element to some of them. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, at the, look, sure. at the, look at the witch movies. Look at the Conqueror Worm and no, Blood, yeah, Blood no, on I Satan's Plot and all that. Yes. You know, but those yeah. are actually those are those are horror movies about things that really happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, they really did persecute people. They really yeah. did drown them. And yeah. oh, they don't come up. Then it means they're innocent. Means they're innocent. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. <laughs> I'm not winning somehow. <laughs> but I did get her to sit through. Uh, they showed Alien at the uh, cemetery a while back, and she went to that uh-huh. and 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 did the thing watching it through. It's uh, so great. And I, I don't know if she'd watch it again, but we got a kitten shortly after and she named it Jones. So that nice. I take that as a <laughs> as a sign. Veronica Cartwright, it's Veronica, yes. yeah. was at one of our Thanksgiving dinners and she told me that Yafit Koto is responsible for Sigourney Weaver's performance in that movie because he kept yelling at her, you know, you got to do it more, be more committed, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, really just scared her. Wow. And well, that would... just like bullied her into a good performance. <laughs> this is according to Veronica. Interesting. How do we feel? Is that okay, Joe? To bully people? I don't know. Works no. for the performances. Works for the president. Does it work for you? No, as a director. <laughs> Slowly uh, I turn. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of horror films, uh, but let's get So anyway, what I'm trying to say in my long way is my hope is having you come on here and talk about this subject because she'll 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 listen to this one and I'm hoping that it will Unfortunately, you won't know the names of any of the movies because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we never identified them. <laughs> but I just, I, I like giving her sort of, you know, here's a positive role. Here's Lorraine Newman. Lorraine Newman loves horror films. You admire her. So the whole purpose of this whole series that we're doing is well, this episode for you to be able to get my wife to watch wife. Yeah. Aliens with me. Yes. Well, Alien versus Predator, the, the woman that triumphs, you know, it's a woman. Is it? Yeah. I have not actually. And, you know, I think the Predator who, you know, hunts for sport. Right. Actually, you know, marks her and basically, you know, you're an honored warrior. Oh, I will not kill you. Okay. Right. You know. I don't recall that one. I mean, I've seen one of those. Alien versus like Predator is very good, is really I good? think. Yeah. And that's that's Paul Anderson, hmm. not Paul Thomas Anderson. No, there's a difference. Is, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I love that we're all over periods and eras here too because yeah. that's that's fun it's and like we haven't even scratched the surface i know we're still going Indeed. we're still going if uh, uh what's what's do you have another one you want to throw well, at us um that? oh god it was on the tip of my brain uh prime what happens to it your brain has a tip <laughs> yes my brain does have a tip but it's going down uh joe i just had surely it. you've seen the coneheads Oh, well, I, I, there was a great sketch on SNL where I think it was a Halloween show and they did a, a, a John Anderson, Paul Anderson, who's the other guy that does the whimsical ones? Oh, Wes Anderson. Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yes. Yeah. Wes Thomas Anderson. They did uh, a horror movie done by Wes. Oh, Thomas. yeah. Did you yes, see that one? Yes, that was fantastic. Oh, God. That was fantastic. I, uh, I also did a short film on SNL where I, I go around town and, uh, all these mundane things happen to me, but we have a horror movie sting for all of it. And it's <laughs> basically that eerie woman's voice, you know, uh-huh. ah, you know, and it's like, my laundry's not ready. <laughs> I don't have that shirt my size, you know? And finally I, I, I trace her down and it's, it's Valerie Bromfield who is a genius and was Dan Aykroyd's partner in Canada. And she's sitting in a chair with a music stand. Just it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> That where did that come from? The the uh, and not well that and then the I guess the is the children one from Rosemary's Baby the la 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 la. Well, there's a, l- a lullaby in Rosemary's Baby, but there's also right. But is that the first time that was used for? Um, no, I don't think so. And 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 and, and you know, in the Omen, there's uh, lots of like, well, choral, choral effects. But like where where did the notion of using kind of otherwise contextually innocent music? You know, that, that woman's voice, you know, the woman singing is not particularly frightening. And the I've, children singing lullabies are, but you put them in a horror film and they're terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tradition. I think yeah. it's, it's from, well, also, from the 50s. There's also a tradition of, uh, you know, uh, scary children. In the right. Movies. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm always trying damn. to find out where the first, 
Like I remember showing a, a, a girlfriend a thousand years ago. Um, um, <laughs> this is an archaeological dig. You know, we will the find with, the source of the, the siren. The one with Michael Reddy and the robot, Joe. <laughs> the day the earth stood still. Oh, yes. And the first time you hear the theremin come on, she goes, mm-hmm. oh, God, this. And now I have to explain to her. That this, that's the reason that was, this is such an annoying cliche is because this is the first time anyone did it and it's yeah. so effective. Yeah. But, what a great movie. It's, it's fun to go back and find. Like, I think the, um, my, my understanding is, tell me if I'm wrong, the, the, um, the car won't start trope, you know, when it needs to. Oh, yeah. Comes from Double Indemnity. And it was just Billy on Wilder the, going, how can we stretch out this? On the, on the, uh, on the train tracks. Yeah, on the train tracks. And he's just like, oh, can, we, right. can we get a little more tension out of this? He's like, yeah, the car won't start. And now it's. Oh, that's a movie I've seen more than once. Yes. It's so good. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You have to. Not a horror film, though. No. But an I'm looking at Joe for confirmation. The, cl- <laughs> the, closest, uh, the closest Billy Wilder ever went to what making a horror film was. Uh... Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, do, do you have any other, I mean, I'm so knocked out by where I'm so thrilled because I'm oh, obviously going to I think it's great. I, check I hope it out. you enjoy it. Do you have any other, uh, discoveries that have, mm. uh. Oh my gosh, I do. And of course I don't have them on hand when I need them. Um, I watched one last night called, uh, level 16 and, um, it, it builds a lot of tension, but it's basically, mm, you know, the, the thing that's going on is is not new, mm-hmm. but the way that they handle it, it's these girls who are basically in what they don't realize is a prison. And they go all these levels as they grow up and they have to be obedient, down, downcast eyes. You know, they have to use a special beauty product on their skin. And if they're late to get in front of the mirror to do it, they get punished. They're taken to the <clears> basement. <throat> it's intense. And, you know, even the denouement, the actors are good in it. Uh, even finding out what it was all about, it's okay. But uh, the movie in itself is really good. Uh, do you know this one, Joe? I do not know. Was it on like Netflix or something? Yeah, or not Netflix. It's on uh, It's on Apple TV. But also Shudder. Do you guys, you know yeah, about Shudder. Shudder. Yeah, yeah. Shudder every once in a while has some good stuff and they have Channel Zero. And the first season of Channel Zero, I could not get into, but the second season is magnificent. Hmm. Um, it's about a house. And, um, you know, like when people have a rave, they don't announce the location of it until the last minute. Right. And it's the same thing with this house. But what goes on in the house is just fantastic. So Channel hmm. Zero, season two. Um, Shutter has a uh, very long um, documentary coming up uh, about cult movies. Really? Which I was in like a year and a half ago, and they've got all these. They interviewed like everybody from Jeff Bridges to John Waters to everybody. Wow! Uh, and it's um, it's like six or seven hours long. Uh, Do you know the title? Of it? I, I'm trying to remember the title because I was invited to a screening of it in the next couple of weeks, and I can't remember the title. Uh, <laughs> I think it could be just cult movies. Change the name of the show to the show without a title. <laughs> oh, Border. Border. Border? Yes. Oh, yeah. Border. Border is magnificent. Yes, Border is. Border you don't is. know Border? No. It's border. border is one, oh, my dear. one, one strange picture. It, it's, it's Dutch. Is it Dutch. Swedish? Yeah. Um, this woman is a, um, a customs agent, right? And um, we think she looks like she might be a Neanderthal. But she has Oh, this, yes. This is last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I've not seen it. Is it? Okay. It, it's terrific. Uh, it'll never you'll never know the turns you'll never guess anything I, fantastic um, yeah I, I'd heard what those. do you think Joe do you like it's, that I, movie? it's very good yeah it's very good my, so, my, my friend Mike Vanell turned me on to it is it frightening can I can I watch it with my missus hell uh, no, <laughs> okay. no I, I would suggest not but <laughs> I was just saying why, why are you talking about Shudder um, uh, and this is the hilarious thing because now I've set it up beautifully they, they did a podcast um, this past year called She Kills which is about women in horror uh, which is really good that um, uh, my wife, who is neither a producer nor a fan of horror films, is one of the producers on. Really? Yeah. Is that a recurring podcast? Um, they did, oh God, it's a terrible show. She'll kill me. They did six or 10 episodes. I can't remember, but, oh. but they're all available now. And but it's on great. camera. Isn't no, 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 no. It's a podcast. Okay. But because Shutter, Shutter does have a podcast that they do have, yeah. that's on camera. And I'm oh. like, I don't want to 
Yeah. Watch a podcast. No, the, well, the next thing I do a podcast is I never shower. So it's, you don't have to. <laughs> I did for you. I wasn't going to say anything. I did for yeah, you. But, but there's also, as long as we're on this stuff, have you seen The Perfection? Yes. Did you? And, oh, I wonder, what uh, is, and, you know, Stephen Weber is a friend of mine. And there's a scene, as you know, where he's approaching naked and, and uh, his unit is kind of fuzzed out. It's fuzzed but out. But you can yeah. see it, you know, so I, I wrote to him, your big swing and dick is the perfection. <laughs> it was just, but you can't see it. Yeah, yeah, you kind of can. You know, this Probably a merkin anyway. Oh, no, no, it was, it was definitely a swing and dick. Merkin is a pubic hair piece. Well, no, that's what they call the, 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 for men. Well, what, do, what do you call the fake penile for men? Uh, they would call, don't call it a Merkin because Merkin is a hair piece. Yeah, it's I, a hair piece. I thought that was the term because. Well, uh, apparently you did and apparently you were not right. Well, no, because uh, Tim, <laughs> Tim Robbins refers to the thing he wears in the player as a Merkin. Well, he's wrong. Oh, because there's a whole thing. It's one of my favorite commentary tracks. It's in fact, um, when you see things like Game of Thrones and and I think they did another one, uh, basically the same era, a lot of the women actresses are wearing Merkins because they're, you know, shaved. Well, or because they also don't want to be genuinely naked on set. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I simply couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, in the player, when he gets out of the, the mud bath, um, he mm-hmm. say it was really important that that uh, the Merkin be uncircumcised. And he talks about the rubber dick he's wearing in the scene, which, oh, okay. This conversation has really elevated itself. It yeah, really <laughs> I can't believe we, we, how did we get here? But beyond that, um, beyond Stephen Weber's penis, what uh, did you, did you like? Because I know the perfection is kind of splitting uh, people, which were you, uh, you know, um, or I guess if, oh, now I'm I, asking you to back on your friend's movie. It was, <laughs> it was a crummy movie that's good. You know, Absolutely. It's like, yes. This yes. is such shit, but I want to see what happens. Well, it, it's <laughs> you know? so. Have you seen it? That's the lore of storytelling. But it is. is. It's it's what, what, what's going to happen? It's a movie all about the mechanics of storytelling. So things happen that don't quite make sense. Yeah, and it's don't like quite how could she control what her hallucination was? It, yeah, you know? exactly. It's like I it's give just, you, I give you some drug, and yeah. then I go, "Wow, look, maggots!" Doesn't mean you're going to see maggots. But yeah, but the, the ending drug. is quite. But good. you go for that ride. The ending is, is sublime in, yeah. in a way. Yes, you know that they're yeah. cooperating. Yeah, so to speak. After she does this horrible thing, <clears throat> anyway, it's it's worth it's worth checking out. But I know people who are just enraged by that film. Mm. Just think it's the worst thing. Um, and not it's like, no, I, it's no human centipede. I have, well, my, I, I would understand if I ran to women. Who'd... <laughs> oh, now we get down to it. Have you? I have not seen it. Oh. I've only seen the poster. You can't unsee it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I figure. <laughs> the the first one, the first one is He's gonna make a, shockingly a well made. Is it really uh, worth seeing? No. There's a performance in it. I'm, no, it I'm is really well made surprised. Though. There's a performance in it. The evil doctor is played by this actor named Dieter Laser. Who um, I I still I describe him as the weird Udo Kier. Yeah, what a great! <laughs> like, I thought it was a, Udo Kier. No, it's 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 a weirder, um, and a he's phenomenal. Name. And I fully expected him to show up. Like I thought, within five years, this guy will be a Bond villain. And I think all he's done is is Human Centipede two. Well, I think oh, it's because the, <laughs> there's blacklisted. There's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a um, a ceiling on the number of people who will watch Human Centipede. Right. <laughs> so it hasn't been good for his career. But you would think that somehow, I mean, he would, he would, word would get out, you know. So like the first Hostel, that's fine. Right. But yeah. no, yeah. we yeah. draw the line the at- Hostel uh, 3, it's not- There are not enough coprophiliacs in the world to be able to make this guy a star. Yes. What, what's the most appalling horror film that uh, that you love? The one, the one that gets the- Hmm. The most appalling. Huh. I, ah, uh, God, I wish I had time to think about that. Well, you remember when, when, uh, when Mark of the Devil came out, which okay. is a German witch movie. Oh, I'm thinking of, um, it, it's a, you know, it was, a, it was, a, it was a German movie with Udo Kier, uh, okay. and they had vomit bags. Oh, that's that the was one. the yeah. gimmick. Yes. Um, we guess, was, yeah, and, and women and talk about, you know, misogyny. I mean, this is a movie about how they basically torture women to get them to confess to being witches. And they put them on toilet seats with spikes and, you know, they pull oh, the tongues out. I mean, it is, it's, it's German. It's, it's German, but of it's, course, it's, it's like, a toilet seat. it's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's got the same structure as a porn movie oh. in that, except for the money, instead of the money shot, it's gore. Yeah. And that, that generally is the tone of a whole, that's a whole subgenre of these pictures, which yeah. are, you know, not 
particularly beloved by mm-hmm. the horror fans, but there are gore fans who are not necessarily horror fans, yeah. and they like that stuff. It's it's an it's a, an endurance test sometimes yeah. with, but you know, like the first Saw and the first Hostel, these were good movies. Yeah, they were yeah, yeah, really yeah. well done. It's just it becomes torture porn afterwards, and right. it's an endurance test about how long you can keep your eyes open. Yeah. Well, and also how how many cool deaths. Yeah. Can you have? It's Final Destination. How many people get hit yes, by buses? Final How many Destination people, you know? should be a board game. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. It's just, and I always, whenever I see it's such a great idea. Final Destination, the sequence, uh, sequels, I always think about the writer's room. Like there is a writer's room, but there <laughs> should be a writer's room. It's like, okay, how can we kill someone this time? How can we do that Rube Goldberg thing right how can we come up with a new one you know there was I, the last one i saw if, I, if i've talked about it on the show before I, I apologize to our listeners and joe and don but um the last one of those i saw at least was in d-box do you remember d-box no i've never it. heard of it there were a few theaters the chinese had one where um and there's a place downtown now that does it too i think it's uh, la live um where the seats are rigged to move Oh. And they do things like blow air at you. So if you're watching a gunfight, they shoot this high burst of air. And it feels That's like a cool. bullet just winged past your it's head. very and, cool. And you get a breeze. If you're in a car, it's fun to watch the Fast and Furious movies, although there's a lot of painful jolts. Mm-hmm. But for some reason... The kind of stuff William Castle would have loved. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely yeah. would have loved. Oh, and the one downtown actually blasts. I remember I saw the there was that tornado movie a few years ago, which was only worth seeing in D-Box. There's a scene where somebody comes down for breakfast in the morning and they blow the smell of warm coffee in your face. Oh, it's like the universal thing that they, a haunted horror night. The guy who designs those was interviewed, I think, by Dana. I'm not sure. But it was, uh, oh no, it was a horror uh, podcast. But they interviewed him and it's such a labor of love for him. Sure. You know, the the sense. One night a year. Yeah. Yeah. But he really designs it and he, you know, his team of actors, he really encourages them to not make it a rote thing for them that yeah, everybody's there and it's, it's important to them. And just, you know, when they design things like that, it really is a labor of love. Well, and you can tell when they're, because with the with the Final Destination thing, there was this whimsy to it because there's a scene, there's some big convoluted battle and there's a car crash he thinks going to kill somebody and it doesn't. And there's fire he thinks going to ignite the car and it doesn't. And the whole thing sort of settles and there's a character lying on the ground in a, pool of gasoline and and the fire seems to have gone out and he's sort of relieved that he's not going to be killed. And then the camera looks on him from above and you see a lonely feather that's burning. Oh, that's Slowly brutal. floating that's, towards him. Oh, but the great thing lovely. is in D-Box, your chair sways with the feather and the breeze. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and it ignites him and then everyone in the theater goes, your chair shakes. Oh, that's great. This is pretty cool. But I can't imagine the film was that much fun without that. Yeah, well, actually, the the Korean ones, like I've seen The Devil and Old Boy. Oh, God. Those yeah. are, I've seen The Devil is pretty outrageous. Yeah, um, yeah that's fantastic. Now, the remakes don't tend to be as good, I don't think. It, was there a remake? It's a of, remake of Old Boy. Oh, I heard about Old that. Boy, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I think initially, for me, the most outrageous one was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, mm-hmm. because to me, it was a turning point in the genre where even people who are helpless are victims. Right. You know, there was a guy in a wheelchair and he was not off limits. And that was for me, yeah. it was for the best of my knowledge, that is the first time that's happened in a horror movie. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, because usually that character, they, they, they torment you with the possibility, but they wouldn't go there. Yeah, and yeah. they go there in that movie. It's interesting. There was a great article in a magazine called The Believer, and it was written by Jason Boog. And he interviewed like Wes Craven and Stephen King, and I'm not sure who else, but they talk about um, that a lot of these things are written during wartime. Mm. Like starting with, you know, Lights Out mm-hmm. was written during World War II. And um, Toby Hooper talked about, you know, the footage from Vietnam coming back and Wes Craven, too, talking yeah. about how that stuff. Well, Last House on the Left is a oh, God. Vietnam era. Yeah, you know? it's brutal. And um, someone else pointed out that the torture porn movies did not start coming out until the images from Abu Ghraib were released. Mm. That's mm. interesting. Yeah. 
I well, stuff, yeah, I, I made that connection. Obviously, there's the 9-11 thing. Where, mm-hmm. you know, every movie has to blow up an entire city and, and, and stuff like that. That's interesting. I hadn't made the Abu Ghraib connection, but that makes sense. Um, did you see Texas Chainsaw Massacre when it came out? Were you yes. Like in the, and, and what was that like? Was it? Uh, I, I remember at the time saying this movie is too scary. Yeah. But it was still great. And I eventually became friends with Toby Hooper. God rest his soul. Yes. Um, who was such a nice guy, such yeah, a, great he guy. a great guy. And he deserved better than he got. He absolutely did. And uh, what was the one with the space vampires? Uh, Life Force. Life Force. Life Force. Life Force. I went to see it with Carl Gottlieb. Uh-huh. And there's a naked girl walking through it, as you know. Through the whole movie. Through the whole <laughs> movie. In the beginning, when we see her, he leans over to me and says, I'd like to give her a pair of saliva pajamas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which made me oh, that laugh wacky Carl. so hard. <laughs> oh, God. I will never forget that. But I thought that was a good movie. And yeah. It, it's, a, it's, it's got a terrible reputation, and it's so underrated. I it's, agree. It's a goofy lark. Yes. It's yeah. really, really fun. Yeah. yeah. Watched it again recently. And it's uh... Charmed. Steve, and Steve Chainsaw, Rails. you know, was was supposed to, everybody thought, oh, this is the most gruesome movie. It's not. It's all done by indirection. There's hardly any, hardly any gore in that picture. Really? No. It's, it, it's, oh. it, it, it's it, when you put the girl up on the meat hook, mm-hmm. you don't see the meat hook going into her. You, you see her. Oh, well, then it's not. No, I'm saying, <laughs> no, but listen, that's, 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 that's restraint that's, yeah. compared that's to what's going on. Still, it's a nice trick. It really is. No, really, Mom. I, very, I promise you, it's not gory. You don't a, see the meat it's a very, a It's a very intense movie because of <laughs> yes. the way he made it. It's oh, not intense because yeah. there's a lot of stuff. It's all the power of suggestion. Sure. And that's why he got away. And I remember I had trailers doing, uh, that I was rating trailers at the rating board at that time for Roger. And there was a lot of controversy about Chainsaw Massacre and whether it should get an X or not. Uh, and the fact was they could not point to anything to cut. Oh, that's interesting. You know, because it, uh, there was nothing explicit in the movie. Oh, right. my God. I love knowing that. Yeah. I mean, wow. that, yeah. 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 I just, I, hmm. yeah. I, mean, I love it. And it's I terrifying. Mean, I, don't you think it was the first of its kind? Well, it was the first Chainsaw Massacre movie. <laughs> <laughs> But See, I Joe mean, knows everything. In terms of victims being off limits. Uh, well, you, I think I, I think it did. It was a pioneer in that sense. Because every, everybody is everybody's victimized in the picture. I mean, nobody gets away. Yeah. Nobody, right. nobody lives. Um, <laughs> in fact, well, is, there's a movie that, called John Dies at the End. You know that one? Yeah. yeah. Don Coscarelli. It's a good yeah. picture. I love it. Yes. It's so good. Uh, Don's been on our show. Um, you name them. They've been on our show. The, that's All right. right. That's <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, no, and that's, that's a, um, speaking of somebody else who's been on our show, the great Joe Bob Briggs rule. Oh like my goodness! Wow. Anybody can get it at any time. That is such an important yes aspect of a movie like that, where you don't know. Well, I do back to Alien. One of the things I loved about Alien because I saw it when it came out, um, which gets lost. You know, you show Aliens to someone today, and and it's no surprise. And I'm going to ruin the end of Alien. Um, you know, you show it to a kid today, and it's like, yeah, of course Sigourney Weaver survived. She's the big star. But at the time, she was literally the only person you'd never seen in a movie before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, she'll go for, okay, she'll go second. Because the girl well, always does. Yeah, yeah. they're going to, you know, she'll be the third one to go. You had no idea. And they literally kill everybody in the film that you've ever seen before in your life. And the one person you thought would, I mean, that was an amazing thing to do. But yeah. you can only, but you can only shock them once. Well, with Sigourney you know, Weaver, yeah. Now no, you have to but, find no, but with, the, with the whole idea of, you know doing transgressive stuff. I mean, yeah. once it's done, it's done. And, yes. and in Piranha, we wiped out an entire summer camp full of kids. That's yeah. And, and at the time Piranha? that was considered, yeah, oh, God. that was considered to, so good. to be a, 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 a very uh, offensive thing, you know, like, Oh my God, kill the kids. That's God. I hadn't and, thought of that. Yeah. Cause I remember watching that, uh, with, with a stoner friend, we'd get pizzas, we'd rent movies, we'd smoke pot and we'd sit around. And, and I, I guarantee you that was something that tickled us no end was that, yeah, we slaughtered an entire camp full of children. Children <laughs> or teenagers? Children. Children. Well, then that makes that the first movie where people who are not usually victims. Was that after? No, that's after Text Chainsaw Massacre. Piranha's I think it's just Chainsaw. after. I think, I, I think, I think Chainsaw Massacre is 77. Or 76. Like Maybe it's 75, but Piranha wasn't until 78. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but if I was doing trailers, it had to be 75 or 74. 74. 74. Okay. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? 
Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Let me think. The Borg. Have you guys seen The Borg? The it's a Dutch. Star Trek episode. <clears throat> a Borg man, I think. Oh, Borgman. Borg yes. Man. Yeah. Did you? I'm. I'm. That is so scary. That okay. movie is very scary. And I think what's so scary about it, it made me think of that quote of, uh, what is it? The, um, not the mundane. The mundane. It's not the mundane of evil, but it's something else. The banality. The banality, banality of evil. Of evil. Yes. Okay. Sure. It is very much in play with this movie yes. because it's silent. You know, when these things, when these acts take place and it includes, I mean, you know, burying these people's heads in cement, which is so primal in terms of fear. Mm. Uh, it's just horrible. And, and people waking up with this man on their chest, yeah. which is also folklore anyway, mm. uh, the succubus and et cetera, et cetera. But that was really silence was used very effectively in Borgman. I thought it made it scarier for me. I somehow remember being nonplussed by the film, um, but I, 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 it's one that I keep thinking I need to go give another shot to. It was it, it was such a political, you know. Here are these people living literally in a hole underground, right? And then their only victims are wealthy people. Yeah. So in that That's sense, fun. it's like, yeah, <laughs> let them eat cake. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, um, no, there's about 20 movies that, that I, um, should be a whole genre too of uh, eat the rich films that are kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to be seeing more of those in the years to come. Oh, I think it's things. inevitable. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, uh, do you have any other oldies you want to throw at us or we're, uh, hmm. uh I think you, I've I've really mentioned all that I you know I'll, I'll remember of it three in the morning. <laughs> of course you will in um, the shower. <laughs> exactly. So here's what you do. I'm going to give you my number. You call me at three in the morning. I'll hold the microphone up. And okay. We'll do well, it and we'll plug it in. We'll I do don't mind. <laughs> Josh, it's Lorraine. Uh, Have you ever seen Scanners? <laughs> oh my God. So are you are you off to another voice session? Uh, today, no. Oh no. Kind of unusual for you. No? Yeah. It is, but I'm writing my memoir, oh. which makes me feel like Gloria Swanson when I say the word memoir. It's like, <laughs> yes, my affair with Ronald Coleman was <laughs> hot, hot, hot. <laughs> you know, I just hate saying that word memoir, but you know, I, I approach it as a cultural thing because I feel like I've had the privilege of, of observing a lot of cultural movements sure. in my life. You know, growing up in L.A. in the 60s in the music scene, my sister was a folk singer. She was in the New Christie Minstrels, oh, wow. you know, and then, you know, the Beatles and, and all of that. She was in the Beatles, too. She was in the Beatles. <laughs> she was the fifth was Beatle. The fifth, uh, okay. Yeah. That... Blonde. They needed a blonde. So you're related to Paul Newman and the fifth Beatle. Yes. Wow. I am. But uh, that is my approach to it. And of course, writing about SNL, there's certainly a lot I remember, which is the beginning and, and meeting all the writers and how everything was amorphous and we hadn't found our form. But then I can't remember shit. But it ta- <laughs> you know, and I talked to. Dare I ask why? Well, but listen, I, I was talking to Fred Armisen the other day, and um, and also Julio Torres, who's a current writer on the mm-hmm. show, and they were saying, how can we remember when we were doing our sketch? You know, we were involved with what happened before our sketch went on, and what mm-hmm. happened after our sketch went on when we were doing a quick change to the next sketch. How can you remember what else? happened. Right. You can't. Yeah. It's not like you're so, home watching the show live. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. what I thought I'd do is d- 
do be like a tour guide to the ensemble sketches that that people don't really remember. <laughs> and I realized that I'm going to have to do a whole section on offensive ones because I found the one that the show that O.J. Simpson hosted where we did Mang- Mendingo 2. And it is the most offensive thing you have ever seen in your life. Oh my God. Do these exist somewhere? Yes. It's, you can buy them. You can buy them on online on YouTube. You can buy seasons, you know, all all the way up to now. They're like 30 bucks. Wow. Um, But my God, it's just the the stuff. So you watch them all? I mean, if you. No, no. I, I, there's also a website that lists the sketches in each show. And I also have a list of all the show orders that I managed to save. Um, so I remember which sketches were ensemble sketches, but if I'm not sure, then I can just watch just an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you find, uh, I'm always fascinated by that too, because I have such a terrible memory. The, I mean, do you sit down, do you have piles of notes and stuff that you've kept over the years? Or are you literally just sitting there going and then I what wrote, happened that wrote a, the first draft I'm embarrassed to say like 15 years ago. And then my attempt at a second draft, which I thought would just be punctuation and spelling. uh, I began to see the problems with my writing. And so I put it in a drawer and then I bring it out. I brought it out nine times and am not organized. So all the new versions were like, where did I put that? So it was just too daunting for me. But then I I, uh, had this offer from Audible and I happened to have lunch that day with a friend of mine who is an editor, Paul Slansky. And so he's doing it with me. He's helping right. me organize it. And, and do, you, do you find, I don't know, when you were talking earlier, I was reminded of seeing uh, Jack Palance at the American Cinematheque uh, a while ago, obviously. And uh, he, was, he was there for Panic in the Streets. And they showed the film and he came out and they did a little Q&A with him, sort of broad questions about his career. And then somebody, in, you know, they all throw it to the audience and someone went, you know, the scene when you're running down the street and the thing and the thing and what the, what the, what the. And Plants goes, how the fuck would I know? It was 55 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Good for you. I don't even remember doing this movie. <laughs> well, that was one of the peculiar things about growing up in, in Westwood and Beverly Hills is that you went to school with the children of movie stars. Sure. and. There was one story that to me is just so funny, which is that, you know, the giving the party when the parents are out of town and they come home and unexpectedly and it's Jack Palance. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> That's the dad, you know. Run! Yeah. <laughs> That's just uh, that's just a a day, yeah. a day in the life. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, we'll be looking well, forward to that, which yeah, is going to no, come absolutely. out probably like next week. Right? Uh, the, next week, any second now. And will you be reading the audiobook? I assume. Yes, yes. yeah. It's only audible. It's not oh, it's only, on page. Oh, oh, it's not oh, on the page oh, at all. So it's right. a vocal performance. No you commas. No typos. I will be doing voices. Like of ever, like I mean, in in I don't know. It's like some encounter between you and I. The best of my ability. Are you going to be doing the guys too? Or are you going to? Well, you know, she Danny, does voice. You, can, you can imitate Danny pretty well. You know, uh, like a Sears socket wrench. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I did uh, an episode of According to Jim with uh, Danny. And we were doing a speed through in Jim Belushi's dressing room. And uh, Jim, uh, you know, Danny was rattling off some dialogue that he'd written for himself about guns. <laughs> You know, and Jim said to him, you really like that stuff, don't you? And and Danny said, I have Asperger's. And I was like, oh, Oh, that explains everything. Doesn't it? (laughs) Holy cow. How he's able to do those Ravco things and that rapid fire, you know, uh, dialogue. I mean, and if they were doing those skits today, we'd all be going, oh, yeah, he's probably on the spectrum. Yeah. You just you wouldn't even think but about it. But who knew? Wow. Because he's also brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Which a lot of Asperger's people are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Is that a, have you have you told anyone else that? Because well Alert the media. He's told you know, he's actually come to the point where he, he's pretty open about it. So it's it's no news. No, we're just always looking for a good scoop that we can yeah, sorry. plug the show. So far, the only the only the only big press we ever got was when Friedkin came on and said Exorcist Two was the worst movie he'd ever seen. So. Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> and he hadn't even finished it. 
Oh, we never even watched the movie. (laughs) Jeez. Got a big write-up in EW. We were very excited. Oh, let's not dwell on our past glories. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. So, you know, any scandal you have, it's, uh, but Lorraine, thank you so very much for coming on. This was so fun. I I hope you'll come back and and do some more with us at some point. I'll uh, do, I'd love uh, to. That was, was I'll make a note of the things that I'm watching. Well, okay. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. And I'll, I'll, yes. The thing with the guy in the place. Yes. Or we could just do nothing but those. That's it. Come up with a list of 10 movies that you remember and you don't know what they were. And we could have a contest. And we'll see if Joe knows. We could have the, people call in. Yeah. Not, except. Well, we could do it live. We could do it live. We could do it live. Yeah. yeah. But that would be fun. We should have someone come up with 10 movies I don't know what their titles, but Joe, they lay it out. And, and then, then Joe doesn't know what they are and you make fun of me. I get it. <laughs> uh, there's. <laughs> I would, okay. I'd like to see the day somebody stumps you. Uh, oh, I've been stumped. Not here. I've been stumped. I was stumped last election day. I couldn't figure wow. it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for having yes. me. It was a delight and a pleasure and an honor. Thank right you for, for being us. had. Yes. Say, Joe, looks like we've got a few minutes. You want to check out the movies that made me mailbag? Gosh, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Josh. Oh, here's one. Uh, v. Tomo wants to know, what's the best poster you've seen for an otherwise, quote unquote, bad movie? Uh, or how about the reverse with what's a horrible poster for an excellent film? I have, I have Obviously a, explorers. I have a great poster for she gods of shark reef. <laughs> yes. That's a great one. Oh, all, <laughs> so many of those Corbin. Ones. I mean, all, all the, a lot of AIP pictures from the, the astounding she monster, which yep. is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Those has posters a great, are great poster. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 you, you can't judge a movie by its poster. That, yes. And there are a lot of really good movies like the shining that have terrible posters. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Not good. I also, there's that whole crop of the nineties. I remember walking into a theater in Westwood. What were the two movies? One was, um, was it white man's burden with John Travolta and Harry Belafonte? Mm-hmm. And the other was broken arrow with John Travolta and Christian Slater, mm-hmm. two radically different movies. One's a John Woo military, big budget action film. The other is a kind of metaphorical exploration of race in America. And the two posters are next to each other. And the poster for White Man's Burden has Harry Belafonte's head on the left and John Travolta's head on the right staring at you. And the Broken Arrow poster has John Travolta's head on the left staring at you and Christian Slater's head on the right staring at you. And the only difference in John Travolta is that he has different colored hair in White Man's Burden. They're almost the exact same poster. And I remember that whole, they still do it to some extent, but that was the peak of that era where it was just just put the faces shot. on just put a head they on they want to see the faces pretty much every movie of the 90s i would say and that Except was do the right thing that, that was, was when the art of the poster started to take a dip. yeah uh oh here's one more for joe um from chris on twitter bit of a geek question from me do you think it's possible to get an authentic gritty feel when filming in digital it's, there you go. It's almost, it's, I, there's, there, you push a button. I'm telling you, there's, a, there, there's an application for everything. I remember when there was one to put scratches on the film, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it can be done. Yes. Uh, oh, here's, here's one. I don't, um, Alex McGarrow asks, oh, it's funny seeing the two. Anyway, what are your thoughts on, quote, reconstructed films from dead directors like Gone with the Pope or The Other Side of the Wind? Well, Gone with the Pope, well, neither of those pictures, because they were both put together by Bob Markowski. Yeah. Uh, neither of those pictures would probably exist if right. it weren't for the fact that somebody went to the trouble to find a, all those pieces and put them back together again. Uh, I think, it's, I think it, it, it does uh, film history a service. Yeah, it's, no, uh, it's, I, I would agree. I, I think there should have been a, a special Academy Award for Murkowski this year. Yeah, for the for for putting that movie together, despite I mean, what we talk about, I'm despite a, what Mr. Friedkin may say about it, or Mr. Olson, <laughs> but I love that it's out there, <laughs> and I love the documentary. I mean, the documentary you have to watch, and then you can watch the the film and come to your own conclusion. Chad Ratterick, um, probably have time for one more. Often, you guys have downplayed superhero movies, but I can't help but draw parallels between them and classic monster movies. Do you see any similarities between the two? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, toward the end of the Universals, they started cramping all the monsters together into one movie. And, uh, and there, that's happened with the superhero movies, too. Now, nobody wants to have just one superhero when you could have a whole bunch of them. But well, that unfortunately I mean, leads to elephantiasis because the movies now have to be three hours long to get all those stories in and all those characters get their close-ups and all that stuff. And frankly, it gets repetitious. 
when as, as a kid, I remember noticing, I can't remember when, but I remember kind of, I, I love this when I noticed that most of the Marvel superheroes are really just repurposed universal monsters. I mean, the Hulk is Frankenstein, Spider-Man is uh, some sort of, I don't know, not quite a universal monster, but, but they were essentially monsters repurposed for sort of heroic uh, uh, purpose. And um, I, I like that about the genre. I liked it as a kid. I just, um, yeah, I'm with Joe. I, I, I also never had, we talked about this when uh, Peter Ramsey was on. I realized, you know, much as I love Superman, I didn't need more of that. I never really yearned to see these characters come to life in the real world. And the comics are so much about the art as well, which is why I love Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Because it really is. It isn't just a computer animated film. It is an artistic vision in which mm -hmm. the art matters every bit as much as the story. Um, so it's not, I don't think anyone's dismissing the genre. It's just the current approach to the genre. Would you say? Yeah. And also when they crammed all the universal monsters together, the pictures only ran 75 minutes. There's that, yeah. <laughs> but there are some great, I guess it's not a superhero film, but James Gunn's super, I absolutely love. I mean, that was a, that was wonderful. There's, there's plenty of good stuff you can do in the genre. And obviously, you know, we don't know what we're talking about because we're sitting here doing a podcast. That's and, right. Instead of really working. Instead of directing a $300 billion superhero movie. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.